Today, we dive deep on the difference between planning and plans and share more about which one's better. So as you head into 2024, thinking about your company or yourself and where you want to be in the future, this is an episode for you. You are listening to the Fifth Hammer Growth Podcast, where we help you find harmony and imperfection as you journey towards success in life and in business. Tis the season of strategic planning. Mm. Coming at the end of the year, lots on the business side about 2024 plans, right? Q1 plans, lots on the personal side about reflecting on 2023 and like New Year's resolutions coming up. So why not do an episode about the difference between planning and plans? And I feel like this really plays into the law of the fifth hammer and the balance and the harmony of disruption and discipline. So I want to tease that out a little bit. Would love to hear kind of your thoughts. I have some stuff to to point us to as well. But if we look at disruption as the planning process and discipline as plans, what's good and bad about kind of both sides? I'm interested to hear what Ryan has to say because he doesn't like to be put in a box. No, but you know what's funny about that is I was thinking through this as we were looking at this, one of my favorite sayings, and you guys have heard me say this freaking a thousand times, is prior proper planning prevents poor performance. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Pick, pick, pick I know, right? <laughs> prior proper planning prevents poor performance. And the funny thing about that is I freaking hate being put in a box. But yeah. yet I understand and acknowledge the discipline of planning. Right? Whenever, whenever my boys, whenever my boys like mess up or do something like with their schoolwork or Alan's the worst. Dallin's absolutely the worst. And he listens to this podcast. So I'm going to freaking call you out right now, dude. <laughs> Dallin is the worst because throughout his life, he's always been the, oh, dad, I need this. Oh, dad, I need this. I'm like, great. Oh. When do you need it? Tomorrow. Like, for example, he when he was in middle school, he ran for student senate. And every student every person going for the election had to have a one minute or 90 second video, 90 second video of why you want to be in student Senate for student council for the school. Right? So Dallin comes to me freaking the day before it's due the next morning. And he's like, Oh dad, I need to do this. I need to have a video, 90 second video of why I want to be this. And I'm like, when's it due tomorrow? I'm like, frick, dude, prior proper planning prevents poor performance, <laughs> right? But at the same time, I thrive in those situations. You guys right, have seen the right. video and we'll post it so you can have it. Um, it's still on YouTube and it's one of the freaking most fun things that we ever did. This was the birth of what we call the real quick. Yeah, dude, seriously. <laughs> it is. Real it quick. totally is. And real that, quick. That applies, to, that applies to it. So we built this video of Dallin based on Beastie Boy's um, Paul Revere's ride. It's one of our favorite family. Like the boys get together. We all sing it, right? It's, it's one of our favorite family songs, but it's like Dallin walking through the halls of the school, singing a, re, uh, a like a, a remake of why he should be student Senator and 
going through this whole process and he freaking won with a landslide because we threw that thing together in one day. It was a real quick, we threw it together, but he still won. So the interesting thing about this is, yeah, I, as much as I, as I hate plans, I love the planning process because even in order to execute that video, there was a whole plan that I put in place quickly. And here's the thing I don't think people understand. Plans don't have to take when you're planning. It doesn't have to take an eight hour event to plan. You can pull your things, your thoughts together, put it down on paper, create something quickly and execute it. So it's, and, and that's the thing. And I think that's the beauty of what you're trying to say is the difference between planning and plans because a well laid out plan. I mean, everybody knows that quote, but plans also have the potential to put you in a box where you can execute on new ideas that come into play. And I think ultimately, just like with too much discipline or too much disruption, either can be a double-edged sword, too much planning, right? Or holding too tightly to a plan can be negative, the extremes, right? And that's what Fifth Hammer is all about and the law of harmonizing and uniting disruption and discipline. It's planning can be that creative element. It can be that disruptive element. It can get the ideas flowing and, and be, uh, allow you to see where you need to take it next. Right. And with the right amount of executing to the plan, you don't hold yourself within a box, but if you're married to it, then yeah, you, you actually aren't focused. You aren't disciplined on the higher goal. You're just protective of the plan. And that, and that's where I fall. That's where I, my tendencies fall into, but coming back real quick, real quick to the real quick. Um, I thought you were going to share the story a little bit about uh, the uh, the Michael Formula's video where you aired as the star oh. of, the, uh, of the video. But there was this mantra that emerged at Michael Formula's. Ryan would come around like to creative or to our media production team or to others like, hey, real quick. And uh, it always felt kind of like how you described Dallin approaching you like, oh, no, this is just a last minute request that is due tomorrow that wasn't well thought out. Right. But it could still be executed and, and still be yeah. beneficial. And so it's the balance of both, right? Yeah. Too much disruption forces people to feel like they're throwing work in the trash mm -hmm. and they're abandoning prior plans <laughs> and not seeing them through. Right. But too much discipline. If you hold on too tightly, if you're holding on to the wrong plan, you're not going in the right direction, then you need to let go of it. I was just, right? I was just thinking through like, if I was Dallin, like if I went to my mom and said what Dallin said to you, she would have said, David, lack of planning on your part does not constitute an emergency on mine. <laughs> and I would go, okay. David. <laughs> David, Michael. Um, but no, you know what's funny? You just gave, you gave me an epiphany at the beginning. When you said planning is the disruption, I was like- You never think about it I was way. like, what? No. no. Yeah. But really- I used to love a plan, dude. And I'm a quick, I'm a nine quick start and I could make the best plan on the face of the planet, the most intricate. And I, I would just like a beautiful mind on a window with a whiteboard, whiteboard or whatever. Yeah, like sure. I, I love that. And then, it, but it was like, I would get stuck in the follow through of that plan because it would be so intricate. So then I learned minimally viable techniques to just break the plan down into its minimally viable parts and take action on one piece. But there's also like the, you know, and that part can be really short and fast. Yeah. And then there's also, and it also can provide a lot of clarity and permission for people to move forward. 
Like I've got a, like I'm working with a team now where a lot of them don't have much experience. So when you lay out a plan for them, all they see is the whole thing. <laughs> so, and they, <laughs> they get overwhelmed the and they step. shut down. So I've had to actually set goals for them that aren't even really about achieving an outcome. It's more about perfecting a process. So like I gave one person an, uh, like, a, like, a, like a monthly outreach goal and I have to like really work with her to help her understand that. And it's counterintuitive, but I don't even care about the outcome of that re outreach because I want you to perfect this process. Because you know, if she you, just heard that. If you podcast. do, you know, <laughs> well, we just had this conversation yesterday and she gets it. And then you could just see her kind of light up and go, oh my gosh. But then there's the, I just came out of a 2024 PL forecasting process. And forecasting is all about making assumptions with the data that you have, understanding that you're going to be wrong, but how wrong are we going to be? And then closing that gap over time. But the only way you can execute against that is if you then take the next step and create a plan to execute against the forecast. And that actually takes a lot longer than we all ever think it's going to take. Yeah, right, right. Sometimes I put together like a, a day and I put together a deck and then I present it in an hour when it really probably takes like six weeks mm -hmm. to go through and actually look at your marketing calendar. If, if you were talking about marketing and, and align it with this plan this forecast and build a plan throughout the year. And then, you know, you get, then where I would get hung up in the past is you can't plan out that far, but you're really just trying to build an assumption, make make assumptions and then, and then validate them. And that goes back to the being able to pivot. Right. So, mm -hmm. but you know, before you yeah. go there, think about this though. How many times did you start our quarterly planning off with guys, let me just show you what our priorities were last quarter. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm the biggest culprit. Right. This. this is really hard for me. Yeah, it is. It totally yeah. is. And for me, I, was I like, love a plan and I want to stick to the plan <laughs> and let's see the plan to the end. Like, that's my nature. The, the and funny, I'm learning. Dude, I'm learning the balance. Right. But that was the funniest thing. because right? Every. This is what we committed to, guys. Failed. This is what we said. Spencer would start those <laughs> meetings with, guys, this is what we committed to last quarter. What did we accomplish? Like one thing out of six, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was like, and part of that was in exactly what you're talking about. It's, it's the concept in extreme ownership, um, the book, extreme ownership to pivot and move, right? You have to have you planning is amazing exercise because it puts all the thoughts on the board mm -hmm. and it puts, it's the disruption. That's why it's the disruption side of it. The plan is the discipline side, mm -hmm. but throughout that quarter, Disruption continues to freaking hammer at that plan and you have to be disciplined enough to know when to pivot and move and when to be like, guys, is this really a priority? Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's, and that's where like, that's, that's why, that's why of, you complete That's it. a clarity of a North star though, right? A clarity of a mission and a vision, yeah. right? If, if you, you can abandon a tactical plan, if you're abandoning it for a better plan that still gets you to the outcome that you want, yes. right? Unless you're completely changing your definition of success and your expectations for the whole, right? Otherwise, you stay true to the, the North Star and you pivot your plans accordingly. And, and Napoleon Hill says this really well. So Napoleon Hill, really famous for Think and Grow Rich, right? One of the OG of personal development uh, books out there, 13 Principles. And chapter seven, one of the main principles is titled Organized Planning. One of the 13 principles. And he says it this way. If the first plan which you adopt does not work successfully, replace it with a new plan. If this plan fails to work, replace it in turn with still another and so on until you find a plan which does work. Right here is the point at which the majority of men and women 
and others meet with failure because of their lack of persistence in creating new plans to take place of these which fail. That's, that's the balance, right? Plan execute. Um, how many times, which is, which is interesting. How many times do you do, do we, have we talked to companies or we've talked to individuals or leaders or, 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 or just anybody that has been holding on too tight to the current plan? Oh, I'm, I'm, I would say I'm the biggest uh, all day, you know? Oh, we were just talking about this earlier. I just came out of an exercise, this exercise I was referring to. We, we came up with a forecast for 2024. Uh, we then created a deck that included the plan on how we're going to execute against the forecast. We presented it, got buy off. And then in the next day I was reviewing it because something just didn't sit well with me, or maybe it was my tendency to look for everything that's going to go wrong and I identified a number it was our spend in a certain channel that I thought was too low based on the growth that we wanted to achieve and I went back and communicated hey I think we need to change this number just to be more realistic to give us more room to breathe because we're we are shooting for this growth and we had a disagreement over that because who I was communicating with felt like we would be flip-flopping by doing that and I can see that 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 does happen right yeah. People think, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's already changing his mind. But if we can't change our mind, then we're going to be even more wrong. Mm -hmm. The forecast is going to be wrong, guys. The plan is going to be wrong, just like we did with that microbe. This whole thing that we put together is going to be wrong every single time. But how wrong is it going to be? And you can be less wrong over time if you're allowed to change your mind and then check your assumptions. The book Think Again by Adam Grant talks exactly about this. He talks about forecasters. They predict presidential elections. They predict war outcomes. They predict big, huge economic events. And the ones that are more right actually change their mind more often. Mm -hmm. yeah. Exactly. And, 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 you have and they're okay abandoning an existing opinion or belief. It's, it's different, right? We're talking beliefs and, and, and opinions versus plans, but it's very similar. We hold on to a plan like it's a, our identity and it's our baby. Uh, you hold on. To I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this is, but this is the balance, right? Because if, all, if, you, if you just chase opportunity and you don't stay the course for success, Right, and all you do is abandon plans. As long as you're not exactly. centered on the on the, the the true outcome, that to me is the, that's the balance of disruption and discipline. How do you have the presence of flexibility, right, and um, like planning, pivoting, and then executing? Right. Spencer has this blank stare. So this is a struggle. Like happens. I don't know how to describe this. <laughs> like, this is why I'm bringing it up. Like I don't, I don't know the answer. Yeah. Right. I don't know what the right balance is. Yeah. Well, but, but you consider this and what you said is, is really important. And this is what people need to understand is that are you chasing success or are you chasing opportunity? Because consider the, the project we're currently working on. Um, we came into this and we felt like, dude, every time they turn around, there's a new opportunity and every, they're like going all over the place trying mm -hmm. to find this opportunity. And look, we could do this now and look, we could do this now and look, we could do this now. And it's like, whoa. Settle in and focus. What's our real plan? How do we define mm -hmm. success? Mm -hmm. Right. And then when the idea comes about that success equals this, now all of a sudden those opportunities don't have as much of an impact or, or might not have as much of an impact. Right. right? So we can assess those, those opportunities a lot better because we have a plan 
of success. Yep. And, and then when a new opportunity showed up that really like from a budgeting standpoint, you're like, Whoa, that's a lot. But yet it ties to success in the, in the, in the specific channel that we're trying to push. Mm-hmm. And it, and it really presented an opportunity that we probably couldn't have passed up. Right. And saying yes to that big opportunity. We're also saying no to the ability to pivot to other ones, because that's a six month commitment that we have to now execute. Well, towards, now right? it's a two year commitment. Oh, geez. See, I, I'm, <laughs> see, learning, I'm learning on the fly. are already like, did you but, see him go white? It was that look. It was that stare. No, yeah, but, yeah. but this is about. where if, you know, where companies f- struggle with this is they'll turn their team and organization, point them one way, shoot the Death Star, and then they'll say, oh, wait, no, we're going this way. And that's where people get this feeling of flip-flopping, right? right? Or this, I'm throwing all that work in the trash. If it's not centered again on the right definition of success, the right North star. If it is, then it's easier to, to communicate that and to but message that. That's what it's all about though, is if people feel like if, if it makes sense to them and they have clarity around the pivot the why. Yeah. and it's, there's expectations that we are going to pivot. I've been in scenarios before where we called pivots injections and it became a bad word and it's not, it wasn't intended to be a bad word. Injection is intended to be a stopping point to, to communicate and then collaborate and negotiate on what's about to happen. The change that's about to happen. That's best for the business, not for the team. When you just said injection, I thought like shot in the arm, like boost, like, yeah, that's not how it was interpreted. <laughs> no, no. But, but he's right. Remember when injection became a bad word oh, yeah, for a, the creative, for the marketing injections were, ah, oh, here's another injection. It's always mm-hmm. disruption. It's always this, mm-hmm. you know, it's interesting. Um, consider this concept as we're talking through this, how many times Dave, you've, and, and Dave, you guys have read, how many times you've read the same book more, more than once? Not as often as I'd like, but yeah, like, I do. But you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Because, yeah. I mean, there's a book out there that I've read probably, I can't even count how many times I've read it. Harry Potter number one? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was Twilight. <laughs> but was. but if, you, if you consider every time I read through this book, I have a different lens because I have different experiences. And I, and I look at it different. I pull something else from it. Mm-hmm. I could read the same chapter a hundred times and have a different outcome to what that chapter means to me yep. because I have a different lens. I'm in a different position. I'm in a different place. And I think it's the same thing that, it, that, that as you go back to the conversation you had where they thought you were flip-flopping because all you want to do is increase the spend in one thing. You looked at it from a different lens. And I think people need to realize that planning is the process of looking at your business through multiple lenses and multiple angles to be able to come up with what your definition of success is. How are you going to define success in 2024? Well, and planning isn't a one-time event. That's how I used to look at it. We're going to hold quarterly planning and this is going to be the plan for the next quarter. <laughs> and we're not changing the plan until the next quarterly plan. That's how I looked at it. That's how I approached it, right? Right which is so asinine now, right? For me, but I think a lot of people see the world that way. We're going to set New Year's resolutions for 2024 and I cannot abandon these goals. Yeah. Well, here's a perfect example. We try to operationalize these things. You know, I've always been told benchmark quarterly, plan monthly, pivot weekly, track daily. But, you know, even in that monthly plan, 
there's like a weekly pivot point, but, and maybe that's closer to what, like I, I actually have stuck to over time, but I'm still trying to operationalize this thing even down to, okay, well, there's a new opportunity. Does it, does it measure to the goal? Yes. Well then how do we, okay, then how do we measure if, if it's really worth us chasing right now? Uh, and then people use ice frameworks and things like that. To, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. You were going to say, something. no, I, I think it's, I think it's important to, to, to kind of pull all of this together. Um, with the idea and the concept that planning is not a bad thing. Plans are not a bad thing. Right. 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 And I, and I love exactly. the thought, I love the thought that, and I don't think, and, and you picked up on this planning is an act of, dis, of, of, of disruption in your day to day, because as you're looking forward, you're defining what success is. And then you're going to say, okay, if this is success, how are we going to get there? And that opens it up to creativity, to thoughts, to whiteboard activities, to challenging the current status quo, to everything. That's disruption in your business. If you're going into 2024 with the same plan that you had in 2023, you're going to be the same person you are. Yeah. Right? And your company's going to stay the same. And, and, and your company's going to stay the same. If you continue to do the same thing, you have to disrupt it. You have to come up with what is going to get us to the next step. Mm-hmm. What is this? And, and here's the deal. It's going to be different for everybody. And it ties to, you know, the concepts that we've talked quite a bit about when we looked at paths to conversion. I mean, how many different paths to conversion were there in uh, at microbe that we saw? There were like 6,000 different paths to conversion for 4,000 users. Yeah, it was like 8,000 users we sampled and there was like 7,800 different paths. Yeah. Now people will argue, well, they came from a certain amount of channels. That's not the point. And it was like 20 channels, you know, and maybe there was a top three to five, but the individual journeys through those were the point that we we're trying to make. But the end point was all the same. Right, right, right. The end point was the the goal of getting them to purchase. Right, right. And that's the key as you're looking at how do you define success? Your planning process should define success first. Who do you want to be? Who do you want to become? Where do you want to go? Yeah. Be your future self now. Now, how are you going to get there? Yeah. And that's the plan. And I love what you said just to wrap up because there's language out there, you know, um, this is a great book. Keith Cunningham's The Road Less Stupid. He has a whole chapter titled, It's Not About the Plan. Right. And he quotes Dwight Eisenhower, who I've heard quoted on other podcasts and things, right? Who says, in preparing for battle, I've always found that plans are useless, but planning is indispensable. Right. So there's there's kind of language going around that plans are bad, planning is good. It's not about that. No. Both are tools. And planning can be a tool and a process for disruptive elements to help inject ideas and creativity into where you want to go. And plans can be very valuable tools for helping you outline and execute on how you get there. Too much of one, either one can be bad. It's the marriage of both disruption discipline through planning and plans that can help you get where you want to go. It's finding the harmony in it. Yep. 